0: You can open your Bible for a last time at Ephesians 6 verse 4. Ephesians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, and uh, we're busy with a series on marriage and family, and tonight I'm going to preach on family worship of an Afrikaans huisgoods Ephesians 6 verse 4 on family worship. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, You are the Almighty. You are high and lifted up. You are the God of glory and grace, the God of our salvation, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we draw near to You in prayer, O Lord, as we draw near to You in repentance, draw near to us as you promise in Your Word, draw near to God And he will draw near to you. Speak, living God. Speak as you spoke in the beginning. Let there be light. Speak into our hearts. Speak through your beloved Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may our hearts receive the truth and be shaken up this evening. And hear the words of the living God. Amen. John Payton was a missionary, but before he became a missionary as a young boy, he remembered how his father, and he says these words, I cannot remember that my dad ever missed a single day of leading the family in worship, in reading the Bible, in prayers, and in singing praises to God. And he remembers, he says, how his father... (coughs) would pray and plead with God. And during these times of family worship, John Payton says, My Father poured out His whole soul with tears for the salvation of the lost, that they would serve Jesus. He prayed for our needs in the house. And we felt as if the presence, as if we were in the presence of the living Savior. And we learned to know Jesus and love Him As our divine friend. As we rose from our knees, I used to look at the light on my father's face and I wished that I were like my dad in his spirit, hoping that in answer to his prayers, I might have the privilege to be prepared to carry the blessed gospel to some part of the lost world. And God answered the prayers of that father, of that old Mr. Payton. Because he had 11 children, and three of the 11 children went into Christian ministry. I think two became pastors, and John Payton became a missionary to the cannibals of the South Sea Islands. Who knows? Who knows what the outcome will be if you as a dad, if you as a mother, if you as a grandma, grandmother, grandfather... If you live a consistent Christian life and you teach your children the Word of God and you do so faithfully, doesn't Proverbs say, Spreeka, Proverbs 22 verse 6, train up a child in the way that he should go and even when he is old he will not depart from it, he will not turn away. Now I know that is a general principle. I know there are exceptions to the rule. So you you can't guarantee the outcome in every case. To say, oh, I taught my child the right way, therefore he will definitely be saved. But, even though you can't guarantee the outcome always, you can lay a rock-solid foundation for your child's future and for your child's life. So we're going to answer two questions this evening. But before we do so, let's read Ephesians 6 verse 4. Fathers, on the screen also you can follow. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. All right, two questions. First question, we're going to answer from the verse. Who must lead family worship? Wie lei? I know a Christian lady. She has a very strong Christian character. I mean, not an a, a off-putting character, but just a very strong Christian character. And she's got a very good influence on her children. But she acknowledges her husband as the leader. And she allows him just to say, I submit that my husband is the one who leads the family. Like we read in Ephesians 5 verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife. Or in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 4 and verse 12, it, spe- 12, it speaks of elders and deacons, O the and the Archons. And it says that elders must manage their household well, and deacons also. Does that mean no one else in the family must read the Bible when we gather in family worship? No one else is allowed to pray aloud. That's not what it means. It's not what it means. What it does mean is that the dad must take the lead. The father must lead his family and he must see to it that family worship happens and happens often. Verse 4 again. Fathers, and then the end of the verse. Bring your children up in the instruction of the Lord. Fathers, dads, it's your job to make sure that that happens. And if you want to make sure that happens, you're going to lead your family in God's Word. That means you must have a quiet time. You must drink in the Word. You must be filled with the Word. You must be filled with the Spirit. You must have a regular time of devotions, of stiltetijd, where you have devotions and you're in the Word and filled with the Spirit. Chapter 5, verse 18, it says... Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. You're going to live a messed up life. But be filled with the Spirit. And then, chapter 6, verse 4, train your children. Teach your children. Instruct your children. It's not enough for you, I would go further and say, it's not enough for you even just to read the Bible and pray. You must love the God of the Bible. You must obey the God of the Bible, so that you can now teach your children to love Him too and set the example and instruct them. Isn't that what we read in Deuteronomy 6? We all know the verse that says, uh, you must teach your children diligently when you sit down, when you rise up, when you go to bed, when you're on the way. What does the previous verses say? The previous verses tell us in chapter 6 verse 4 Hear O Israel, the Lord our God the Lord is one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and with all your might and then it continues to say, teach your children so as, as those who teach children whether you're a grandmother or grandfather or a mom or a dad or an uncle or an aunt, if you have an influence on children you must love God first to show the way before you teach the way You see what's going to happen? If you teach your children the Bible, but you're not living the Bible, that's off-putting. You'll put them off Jesus. You'll put them off the Bible. You'll put them off the Gospel. So your and my life as Christians must be a commentary on the Bible. You live with a commentary on the Bible verse should be a commentary upon the Bible and on the Bible that your children can read, that your children can follow, like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And we're not perfect. We still sin. So when you do sin and you haven't been disobedient, then confess your sin and get up and move on. And if you've sinned against your children, confess your sin to your children and then get up and move on. Now, if, you, if you're going to set an example to children, you need to be home. How are your children going to see the example, but you're not home? And I know some dads work away from home, and maybe you work overseas. At times, your company sends you uh, to Germany, or your company sends you to Ireland or wherever, uh, or you're working in the Northern Cape for a while. But even then, even then, Do a WhatsApp video call every night of the week and still lead family worship. Now, if that's not possible, and you're in a place where there's no cell phone network, I don't know if that's possible anymore in the world, but perhaps it is somewhere in the phrase start. (laughs) Okay, but if it's not possible, then the mother should lead family worship. Then the mom should train these kids and teach them. Obviously, she should should do it anyway to help them. If the dad's there, he must leave. But if he's not there, then the mother should do that. Proverbs 1, verse 8, where it says, Listen also to the instruction of your mother. Or Proverbs 31, you know that wonderful woman in that chapter. Verse 26, where it talks of this woman, She opens her mouth with wisdom. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So she, she, she trains and teaches her children. And that is especially necessary. And it's especially needed if the dad is not a Christian. If the dad's an unbeliever. Like Timothy, not my Timothy. Timothy in the Bible. First Timothy and Second Timothy, not 3 Timothy. <laughs> um, but like Timothy in the Bible, his dad was not a Christian. Acts chapter 16, Anderlinger 16. But his mom was a Christian. We read in Acts 16 and in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. And she taught him the Bible, 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. Now, what if, what if not, neither the mom nor the dad are Christians? What do you do then? Well, then you've got grandmas and grandpas. Okay, and they can have an influence anyway, even if the dad and the mom is a Christian. But if the parents aren't Christians, you've got grandmothers and grandfathers. If they serve the Lord, or maybe an uncle or an aunt, that are Christians, and they can influence these children for the Lord, just like Timothy's grandmother, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. You've got Timothy's grandmother who influenced him. Or there was a guy in, in Wales in the 17 and 1800s. Well, actually the 1800s more. But his name was John Elias. And John Elias, his parents weren't Christians. But his grandpa was. And his grandpa would take him to church on Sundays. And they would walk to church. I can just imagine the conversations with little John and his grandpa teaching him about Jesus and the good news of salvation. So it's not primarily... First of all, it's not the church's responsibility. It's not the Sunday school's responsibility to teach your children about Jesus and to teach them the Bible. It's your responsibility. Verse 4, Fathers, bring your children up. It's your responsibility as a parent... Now, the church can help because, (laughs) verse 4, who's it written to? To a church. Who's sitting in the church? Parents and kids. Verse 1, children. Paul is saying, children, hey, are you listening? Obey your parents. So the children are there and the moms and the dads are there. So the church can help and the church must help by teaching them and instructing them. And the, everyone's there to listen to the preaching and the reading of God's Word. If you even find this in, um, in the Old Testament, various passages, passages like Nehemiah chapter 8, or Joshua chapter 8, or Deuteronomy 31. You read that Moses read from the book of the law, and who's there? Uh, the kids are in crèche playing. No, it says even the little ones were there. And in Nehemiah it says, everyone who could understand, they're there to hear the word of God. So that means your children, it's good for them to grow up under the preaching and the reading of the word of God and to gather for the worship of God. Now, in order for that to happen, and unfortunately this is in English, but these Fontoner kids, do you sometimes watch movies in English, the little ones? Okay, you can speak English, hey? (laughs) So, so that means if we say the children must be there to hear the Word, the preaching of the Word, then the pastor must preach in such a way that even the kids can understand. So it's not too hard and it's just whew, It's over their heads. The kids must be able to follow and understand the preaching of the Word of God. And you know what happens if kids understand? Then the adults also understand. <laughs> then everyone understands. It's easy to follow. And The parents then, if they understand the word, it's like they equip, they get the tools. They get the tools to go home now and teach their children right. And show them the way of God and the word of God. Like King David, after they worshipped the Lord, David went home and he blessed his family. Or in Nehemiah 8, after the word was read and everyone heard the preaching and the teaching of the Bible, the heads of the families come together for a Bible study with Ezra the priest and the scribe. All right, now, what if you've got a child, there's no Christian in the family? The grandparents aren't Christians, the parents aren't Christians, the uncles aren't Christians, the aunts aren't Christians. What do you do in a case like that? What you do is individual Christians can take those children and and, and influence them with the gospel. For example, Martin Holt, he was a Baptist preacher in Pretoria, uh, toward the end of his life. But Martin Holt, he invited his neighbor's kids to church, two, uh, twins, twin girls, identical twins. And he said, Come with me. And both of those girls got saved. The parents weren't Christians, but both the girls were saved. I was sitting in my study um, last, I think last Saturday. Busy with my sermon preparation, getting ready for the preaching. And I heard the kids make a terrible noise, the neighbors' kids, but a noise in terms of uh, kids playing and they shouting and screaming and climbing on the jungle gym and playing games. And I thought, I must start praying for these kids. I must start praying and invite them to church. Can't we, can't we start a, a Every second Friday, a youth meeting when practical Christianity is on, on a, every second Friday during that time, maybe just for an hour, get someone in the church who's got a passion for children, who loves to teach children, who, who loves Jesus, who lives a holy life, who knows the Bible, who's serious about prayer, who's serious about teaching children the gospel. We can reach those kids, and there are lots of them because it's not one family living there, a number of families live there. We can reach the kids. Second question. So the first question, who must lead? And primarily dads, but also moms and grandparents and so on. Second question, how must you lead? Who would ye lay? Well, in the first place, what must you, what, what's the first thing you must teach your kids? The gospel. Not just Bible stories. The gospel, the message of salvation, the good news. How do I know that? Because Paul says, teach your children in the instruction of the Lord. What's the first three chapters about? The kids are there sitting in church. What's the first three chapters about? It's the gospel. It's salvation. So you teach them the message of salvation. You teach them Ephesians 2, because they heard that while well, the letter was being read. Ephesians. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 3. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. You tell children, you are dead in your sin. You need salvation. You need Jesus. And then you tell them the rest God makes alive. God saves. God forgives sinners. The Holy Spirit can make you a new person through the power of the risen Christ, Jesus who died for our sins and rose again. Please, don't assume your children are saved. Don't assume. Don't assume that their names are in the book of life. I remember going with my grandmother to her church. This must have been in 1998. 1998. So I went with my grandma, I was a student. I went with her to church and her pastor said during the service, and I don't want to tread on your toes if you believe differently than I do on this, but I'm going to say it as it is. Her pastor baptized a baby and he said when he baptized the baby, this child's name is now in the book of life. That is not true. Or another example, my friend Seth, he spoke to another pastor and this other pastor said, no, we don't tell our children that you must repent, you must be saved, you must be converted. It's like they just assume because you grow up in a Christian home, you will be saved. There's a pastor of the Doperkerk, the Gereformeerkerk, Reformed Church. And this pastor is very concerned He's very worried, because some pastors in his denomination, they believe that, oh, no, our children will all be saved. If you've got Christian parents, you will be saved. You just presume, you just expect that's going to happen, they will be saved. Listen, the New Testament, under the New Testament, you are not automatically part of God's people just because your mom and dad are Christians. You know that old saying you're born in a garage that doesn't make you a car. you're born in a Christian home that doesn't make you a Christian. If you want to be part of God's family, the Holy Spirit must change you into a new person. He must write his law on your heart, your sins must be forgiven. Just go and read Hebrews chapter 8 verse 8 12 about the new covenant, the Niverbund. You must be born again. So because of that you must Share the gospel with your children regularly, often. Deal the evangelie met Allah. And you do it especially when you discipline them for sin. Because when you discipline a child for his sin, then he realizes, I'm hopeless, I'm a sinner. And then you can tell him, there is a Savior that can save you from your sin and forgive you and change your heart. Please, parents, please, and grandmas and grandpas also, do not share half a gospel with your child. A gospel without God's holiness. A gospel without hell. A gospel without repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. A gospel without the cross. And do not teach them a false gospel. I know of parents, they're so afraid that they're going to make their children scared by telling them of hell so they don't tell their children there's a place like hell. And then also very important, use biblical terms, biblical words. Don't twist the Bible. Just say what the Bible says. Now there are big, big words in the Bible like example. John Piper, he says when his daughter was six years old, they were doing family worship and they, they read the book of Acts, Handelinga, and when they were done, she said, can we read Romans? And as they read Romans, she read and she said, what, what is this word? What does this mean? Justified. Rechtvaardig What does justified mean? Now, what do you do as a dad? Do you just say, no, don't worry, you're too small, you won't understand. No, you explain it and you use an illustration, examples to explain it. So he did this. He said, okay, so there are two criminals. or not two criminals, two people. They are accused of being criminals. And so they, they go to court, And the first man, after asking many questions and all the evidence is there, he says to the first man, the judge says, You are not guilty. You didn't commit the crime. You are justified. You are free to go. And then the second man, the judge, with all the evidence and many questions, he sees, But this guy is guilty. He did commit the crime. And the judge says, I declare you not guilty. You are free to go. And at that stage, John Piper's daughter, the six-year-old girl, she's got a question mark on her face. She knows this is not right. If this guy's guilty, he must go to prison. And he says, something's wrong, eh? She says, yes. And then he reads to her Romans chapter 4, verse 5. God justifies the ungodly. And then he explains to her, You and me, we sinned against God. We are like that second man. We're like the criminal. We are guilty before God. But then Jesus comes. God makes a plan. And He sends His Son to this earth. And Jesus comes. And He stands in our place. And He lives the perfect life that we didn't live. And He then takes the punishment for our sin. And that is why God the judge can say not guilty, you are justified. So that's the way we teach our children. And please don't say things to your kids that the Bible doesn't say. I know we love these terms. I know we say them often. But it's not in the Bible. Like saying to your child, you must give your heart to Jesus. The Bible never says that. The Bible says God gives you a new heart. I know a, a man, he's now 60, over 60 years old, but he said when he was small, his mom said, you must give your heart to Jesus. And so, and you must invite him into your heart. So he went to his room, he unbuttoned his pajamas because he thought Jesus won't get through the pajamas. <laughs> and he said, Jesus, I must open my heart, I must give my heart to you. He didn't understand. Don't use terms that aren't in the Bible. Simply explain the Gospel like the Bible explains it. So for example, in Isaiah chapter six, Yesiah, Isaiah chapter six, the first seven verses, you explain of this great God. We know God created everything, but this God is so great, he 's such a great king, He 's so, he's so magnificent, and his light is so bright, not even the heavenly beings, not even the angels, not even they, can look at all the brightness of God. They must cover their faces because God is so magnificent and so great. And they just call out that all the earth, it is is visible everywhere on earth that God is great. Just look at all the things He made. And then you tell them, but we, we are made of dust. We little creatures, we're like worms. How can we who sin and do wrong come before this great God? We can never do that. God won't allow us into His presence. His flaming eyes will consume you like fire. So, what can we do? We're like Isaiah, great sinners. We can't do anything. But God has done something. God brought a sacrifice. Someone paid the the fine. Someone was punished for our sins. And His name is Jesus. And if you trust in Him, you turn from your sin and call out, I'm in the chains of sin. I cannot get free. He will break the chains. And He will set you free because of His death on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. When you share that, some of your children or grandchildren are going to be very worried. They're going to start realizing, I'm a sinner and I can't get rid of my sin. Be careful parents, don't confuse conviction of sin with conversion. My nie sonde oertuiging verwaar met it's not the same thing. And many children, parents think, now my child is a Christian because he's cried about his sin. Don't give him assurance of salvation. It's not your job. Don't tell him, now you're a Christian. Pray with mommy. Pray with mommy. Dear Jesus, wash my sins away. I believe in you. Amen. Now you're a Christian, little Abby. Now you're a Christian, little Mary or little Susan. Don't do that. It's not your job. You simply teach them the word of God and you trust the Holy Spirit to give them assurance of salvation. To give them first the new birth, die nieuwe geboorte, wedergeboorte, to convict them of sin and to give them assurance. Romans 8 verse 16, the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. Die getuig saam met jou Dis nie jou werk om vir jou kind zekerheid van redding te gee And while you trust the Holy Spirit, you continually instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Verse 4 again. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Lord, that word, bring them up, in the Greek, that's in a continuous tense. In other words, you must keep on bringing up your children in the ways of the Lord, in the instruction of the Lord. So that means, moms and dads, family worship, it's not something you do now and then. It's not something you do on special occasions. It's something you keep on doing. Something you do daily. You diligently teach your children. The Afrikaans, Deuteronomy says, "Jy skerp it by your kinders in. Constantly. And how do you do so? Deuteronomy 6 verse 7. When you sit down, when you get up, when you go to bed, when you're on the way, on the road. So that means formal instruction and informal instruction. Okay, let me talk to you about formal instruction, formula instruction. I'm talking about family worship. Heis Schutsteins. Listen, family worship does not happen spontaneous, spontaneously. Family worship does not happen by accident. You must plan for it, you must set a time and say we're going to have family worship and don't do it before rugby practice. Don't do it before they go out because otherwise they're in a rush and they're not going to listen and you're going to be in a rush and just say let's just get this done. And then I made this mistake last night and I thought about it and I thought we should change this. Um, Well especially last night because we did it about 5 past 9 and we we're, the kids are normally in bed at 9 and we're in bed by 9.30 and so some of our children were very sleepy <laughs> okay so you don't want to do it just before bedtime especially with little children they're tired they, their minds wander dwell. maybe a good time would be after lunch after supper maybe after breakfast or just before not just before school but a rookie for school <laughs> um, and then if they're little keep it short practice what you preach huh? <laughs> keep it short but then if, if they're older 15 to 30 minutes of family worship it's a young plant one old preacher said a young plant don't give it, give it too much water it's going to die and same with children don't overload them with too much okay how do, you, how do you divide up the time you've got your time for family worship how do you split up your time what does the Bible say it doesn't <laughs> the Bible doesn't say how you should do it what the Bible does teach us is teach your children the Bible pray with them and sing God's praises okay this is how we do it I'm just going to give you a, um, a breakdown you don't have to do it like we do I'm just going to tell you how we do it first thing Our children must sit up straight. We don't allow them to lie down or play. Now they're older now, they don't do that anymore. But when they were little, often we had to say, ah, sit up straight. We're busy with God's Word. You show respect. Second, either me or one of the others, sometimes I ask one of the others, will you pray for us? Timothy did so this afternoon. Please pray for us. And then just a short prayer, Lord, please help us understand your Word. And open the scriptures to us and then third thing what we're doing at this stage we're reading through books of the bible so we take it we take it three verses at a time five verses at a time and I go slowly I read and then I stop and I explain and we give applications for everyday life how do we obey this and then we discuss the verses and I ask them questions on those verses uh, because verse four says, "Bring them up in the instruction of the Lord." Who's the Lord? Who's the Lord? It's Jesus. So Jesus, we want to tell them. What does Jesus say? How should we live as Christians? Now, when my kids were small, we didn't read the Bible because if you read the Bible to little children, I read to you from John one verse one: "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was." And children are oh, they not there? So I told them Bible stories and with actions and uh, I'd have their attention. And if they're really small, really, really small, two years old, one year old, then your Bible story is like this. Genesis 1. God made everything. The birds and the flowers and the elephants. And Timothy said, and the helicopters. (laughs) (laughs) So you... God made everything and then he made people, boys and girls. Let's pray. (laughs) Okay, short Bible story for little ones. So I would tell them the Bible stories. Now, when you do that, be gospel centered. Be gospel centered. You don't want to make the Bible character the hero. Look at David. David is the hero. God is the hero. When I told my children this, I explained something like this. I said, listen, when we read Bible stories, you mustn't do everything that the Bible character did. Like, if David killed Goliath with a stone, doesn't mean you must throw stones at people. And so just after that, I'm in my room, and I, Timothy and Nicole are on the jungle gym. And Nicole says, goi to Timmy? let's throw stones. And Timothy says, didn't you just listen to what daddy said? Dad just told us, David threw stones doesn't mean you have to throw stones. <laughs> okay, so you don't, want to make, you don't want to make the Bible character the hero. You want God the hero to say, God defeated Goliath. He used a little boy to show that God is the powerful one. And so Jesus defeated a greater enemy on the cross when he defeated sin and death and hell and Satan. When you do tell those stories to children, be accurate. Tell the story right. Don't add in your own details. You're going to confuse the child. And even if you've got a children's Bible and you're reading from a children's Bible, make sure the children's Bible says what the real Bible says and you've not got some watered-down version of it. And then even the way you tell the stories, make sure that you, you teach your children the greatness of God. For instance, and maybe you won't like this, but I'm going to tell you this. Don't show them veggie tales. Veggie tales. It's, If you don't know what veggie is, it's vegetables. So, for instance, Daniel and his three friends, it's a carrot and a cabbage. and a. Um, why I'm saying that, why I'm saying that to you, is because veggie tales, it dumbs down the message. And it dumbs down your view of God, your child's view of God. I'll give you an example of that. One VeggieTales episode, there's this pickle, a a gherkin, and that's Moses. And this gherkin comes and he's at the burning bush where God speaks to Moses. And here's this burning bush, God talking to a cucumber. That confuses your child. Give them a great view of God, that they would fear God and love God and respect God. And be in awe of God and desire to know God. Then the next thing we do, uh, so we've got sit up straight, open with prayer, teach them the Bible. Then we've got a catechism. Catechism is just question and answer. So you put the Bible. So who made you? God. Why did God make you? To glorify and enjoy Him forever. What else did God make? God made everything. Why did God make everything? For His own glory. How do we learn to obey God and to enjoy God? In the Bible, God's Word. Who wrote the Bible? Spirit, Holy Spirit-inspired men. Okay, you get that. Question, answer, question, answer. Now, you do want to make sure the question, answer is biblical. Because it's written by, not the Holy Spirit, like the Bible, it's just written by uninspired men. Um, So you want to make sure the catechism is biblical. But what a catechism does... It teaches you great truths in short sentences. (laughs) And that helps children to understand. And then what we did, at many times we memorized Bible verses. So we did that at various times as the kids grew up. Later on, even chapters of the Bible that they memorized. Children are like sponges. (laughs) They can just take in and take in. So teach them and it helps you to memorize every day. Let's go over the verse again. Let's go over the verse again. Next thing we do after the catechism is at this stage in our children's lives, we read a page or two from a Christian book. A good Christian book about the Christian life or something else. At this stage, we're reading a book that is written for pastors' children. Things they struggle with that other kids don't necessarily struggle with. Because everyone in, in the church says, Oh, you must know the answer, Jennifer. You're the pastor's kid. And poor Jennifer feels the pressure. But I don't know the answer, but I think I do. <laughs> um, so we read a page or two, and then, if necessary, I explain as we read or after, we, after we've read. But you do want to come back to the Bible, right? The Bible is the main source, as he whiffed Because verse 4 says, the instruction of the Lord, not the instruction of people. So if people instruct, measure it against the Bible to see if it's true. And then second last thing we do is we sing. Now you don't want to sing silly songs just because they're kids. I'll show you a simple wiki. And I've been here for the you let it for your to this laugh. Popcorn, I suck for Jesus and Popcorn. Why do you do that for Or even unbiblical songs. Maybe you think this was biblical. We sang this in the Sunday school and it's not biblical. Father Abraham, had many sons. I am one of them. Really? Galatians 3 says those who believe in Christ are the children of Abraham. So you're teaching them stuff that's not biblical. Don't do that. Help them. Even sing Bible verses. Bible verses. The with that you can. It's songs. It sticks. It's catchy. <laughs> So it helps you to memorize the Bible. Doesn't Colossians 3 say, hide the word in your heart? Right? The word of Christ must dwell in you richly. And then the rest of the verse says, sing. So you're singing the Bible. And it helps you to remember. Steve Green has has two volumes, two CDs on just hide them in your heart. Bible verses. It helps children remember. And then when they grow older, little simple, simple Afrikaans, simple English. Simple songs. In photo That's fine. You're teaching them God made everything. But when they grow up, they get older. Teach them deep truth. Like magnificent, marvelous, matchless love. Or the Reformation hymn, we will trust God's word alone. Teach them truth when you sing. That's part of doing verse 4. Instruct them. The instruction of the Lord. And then the the last thing we do as a family in family worship is we pray, and we give everyone a turn to pray, unless it's a late night, and then I'll close in prayer. But usually everyone gets a turn to pray. Now, when children are little, they only they're only one year old, then you do this. It, We're gonna pray. Let's pray, and then you tell them what to say. Say donkey, donkey, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you're teaching them to pray, and when they get older, and then we pray for the preaching, we pray for the church, we pray for missions, we pray for uh, the sick, we give thanks for answers to prayer. Whatever comes up and is necessary, we pray for that. So that's formal instruction. Here's informal instruction. <laughs> All right. Uh, Informal instruction. That means you teach your children as the day goes by. As things happen. Then you teach them. While you're on the way. uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 7. So, example. We are on our way. Some years ago, we were on our way to Kip and Ansi. People in our church. And they got a game farm in Tabazimbi. And so we're going to visit them. And in the car, the subject comes up how do you choose a husband? How do you choose a wife? What a wonderful discussion. And we just asked them questions. Okay, okay. So this is a very nice girl, but and that wasn't the joking one, but they get us laugh But it was an And the questions, but what about this? Will you marry the guy? Uh Okay, so you give them a biblical perspective. Something happens at school. Friends say something. The teacher says something in class. Uh, they hear something on the news. They, uh, maybe there's something on social media. And you want to talk about this. For example, they read of evolution in the textbook. So you need to address that. Or the teacher says in class, all religions are equal. What do you say now? How are you going to teach them from the Bible? Or are you on the highway and there's a billboard. And there's a lady, and she hasn't got lots of clothes on. She's poor. (laughs) So what are you going to tell your children? you Are going to talk about that? Or there's an advert that says that you need our product. Hey, JC, if you don't buy this vacuum cleaner, you're going to die. (coughs) Because this will take away your sinus. Or they tell you on an advert, they say that you don't need to work. You can just lie on your couch and work two hours a day and you'll be a millionaire within six months. Just do this, these five steps. Or you hear racist remarks on, on uh, social media or on the radio, on the news. Or maybe you're in the mall. You're in the mall and you see a lady, but you didn't know it was a lady because she's dressed like a man and she's shaved off all her hair like a man, or your kid's in class and and he's in grade four, he's 10 years old and everyone in the class has got a cell phone and they're on TikTok. And now why don't I have a phone, Dad or Mom? Or maybe your son is growing up and he's got zits, bases, and he looks in the mirror and he's not happy. Or he's lying in his room playing on the iPad and the room, it looks like a bomb hit the room. (laughs) (laughs) Or someone close to you dies. Or you're watching Finding Nemo, and the dad in this movie is a wimp, and the son is the Euro. Or a Christian family member gets engaged to an unbeliever. Or a gay couple invite you to their wedding. Or a Christian who is unemployed, he hasn't got a job, and he finds a job at a bar. Or you see the abortion posters on the lampposts. You see, what you want to do is give your children a biblical perspective on these things. And if you're going to get that right, you need to know the Bible. Or find out if you don't know. That's, you, see, you see that in Proverbs. My son, my son, my son. And that my son, when he teaches his child, his son, that includes warning them. Warning them ag- uh, against things that are wrong. You see in Proverbs again and again, this dad warns his son, don't drink. Don't drink too much. Don't be lazy. Work hard. Be careful of bad women. Be careful of bad friends and bad influences. Don't get addicted to stuff. Watch your temper. Don't lose your temper. Don't chase money. You're never going to stop. And so on. That's also what Paul means. I'm almost done. Besserings state. Injury time. Um, that's what Paul, also, what Paul means in verse 4 when he says, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. The Greek word for instruction, it means instructing through warning. Instructsie der or warning them through teaching, so that through the thought process of that little child, you can help him reach God's solution. That doesn't mean your child will become a Christian through his brain. What that means is the way to the heart is through the mind. Isn't that what Romans says? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you pray, Lord, open his mind. Open, my, open her mind that they can see the truth and be saved. What will happen if you do not warn your children and teach your children the Bible? Can I tell you what will happen? Someone else will teach them. The world is going to teach them. And the world will show them the wrong way. So you want to teach your children the right way. Of course, read it tonight. Psalm 78. Teach your children so that they will not be rebellious. Teach them. Show them the way. Do what Abraham did. Genesis 18 verse 19. Do what Joshua did. Joshua 24 15. Do what Jacob did. Genesis 35. They taught their families the Word of God, the way of God. Show them the right way. Show them the instruction of the Lord. Lead them to worship God. And if you do that faithfully, and you set the example consistently, then very probably, you're going to have a family that will reach unbelievers for the Lord. And that will influence people like Stephanas in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 15. Stephanas, him and his family, they serve the Lord in the church. And they're involved and they grow. You want to be, you want to be that mouthpiece of the Lord. Verse 4. Bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. It's the Lord teaching them. You're just the mouthpiece. Alvein, No, dit Notice here. But even in our homes, be the mouthpiece where you speak for God and show them the way that they may know the Lord and be saved. And the chances are going to, that's going to happen. I'm at the end now. You know, in, in the book of Acts. Again and again, a number of times you read these words. He and his whole household believed. That often happens, that if the leader of the family follows the Lord faithfully and teaches his children faithfully, very often the rest follow. And I saw that recently with a friend of mine. He's a missionary, and Neo and Dakalo know him, Paul Schlelein. Paul Schlelein, I believe, is a model of how to lead your family and how to teach them in the ways of the Lord. Apart from the fact that they, as a family, they gather for worship every Sunday, every Lord's Day, he's got his family there, they serve in the church Uh, But apart from that fact, Paul leads his family in family worship. And the last time him and I spoke, he tries to do it twice a day. We do it once a day. He does it twice a day. And he will see the fruit of what he has sown. And he's already starting to see what the Lord is doing in his children's hearts. Listen to this letter from a 12-year-old girl, his oldest daughter. He sent it to me this week. Now I'm just going to read the end, because she said to him, "Dad, thank you for being a good father and for leading me and teaching me of Jesus and teaching me the Word of God. Please, will you teach me more?" And then she wrote this: "I believe, twelve-year-old girl. I believe Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I believe and trust that Jesus died for my sins. I was guilty and evil, but He loved me and helped. Uh, he loved me and died for me. Would you please talk and help me more on this, Dad or Father?" I want to give my life to Christ and I don't want to fall away like so many others. The days are short and we do not know when Christ will come. I don't want to be taken by surprise. I want to say, yes, I am a Christian. I know you can't save your children. I know it's in God's hands. But can't we through faithful Christian living, biblical discipline, And family worship, can we not show our children there is the Savior? Heavenly Father, thank you that we could gather like children around an earthly father. That tonight we could gather around our Heavenly Father and hear what do you want to tell us? We want to listen, Father. Oh, make us obedient children, that we may then teach our children to be children obedient to our Heavenly Father, by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.